so here we go. Katie and I had been married a little over a year when we bought a car. Uh, it was a 1965 Mercury Comet. It was nine years old, little six-cylinder engine, and a standard transmission, three uh, gear shift on the column with a clutch. And I had grown, it was our only car, and I had grown up on the farm driving stick shifts, so it was no problem for me. Katie had grown up in town with automatic transmissions. So she didn't know how to drive, and that quickly became a problem. So I decided that I would teach her how to drive a standard transmission. I cannot tell you how bad a decision that was, okay? Uh, according to her, I am a totally incompetent driving instructor. Uh, I am unclear, I'm obtuse, condescending, uh, short-tempered, and rude, all of which is true. Uh, my side of the story is she just has no love for a clutch. I mean, you've got to love a clutch. And so I'm teaching her how to drive this car, and we wind up stalled on a railroad crossing, straddling the railroad tracks, sitting there with Katie holding on to the steering wheel, crying, and I'm there praying that a train will come and put us out of our marital misery. Okay? How did we get ourselves into that fix? Well, you know, it's pretty common in relationships. In fact, just last week, just last week in the middle of a fight, Katie came crawling to me on her hands and knees. Middle of a fight, crawling to me on her hands and knees. And she said, come out from under that bed, you coward, and fight like a man. Okay, that one didn't really happen. But <clears throat> the reality is all couples fight. Because we're all broken by sin. It, it is not a question of if you will fight. It is a question of how you fight. Because healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight unfair. They fight dirty. They fight to win. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. So I want to say up front uh, today that we're going to try and have some fun with this. Uh, most comedy about married couples involves conflict. I mean, you watch on sitcoms and movies and, and in books about couples. The funny parts are where the conflict occurs because, you know, it's kind of funny watching people when they're mad. It's just human nature. When somebody else is mad, we laugh at them. One time I was so mad I slammed a cupboard door and it bounced back and hit me in the head. <clears throat> you laugh, I was mad, Okay. But we laugh at other people uh, when they're angry. It's just human nature. And so we're going to try and have a little fun with this. But I want you to understand, in fact, I want you just to be serious with me for just a moment, because the fights that we're talking about today are just the normal, average, everyday spats and skirmishes that healthy marriages have. But please, please do not think that I am making light of abuse in the marriage relationship. I mean, it's a matter of degree and intensity. And in far too many marriages, the degree and intensity has ratcheted up to where there's physical abuse and mental abuse and verbal abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. And if that's what you're experiencing, please understand, I am not making light of that. In fact, on your sermon outline, at the bottom, I have given you the contact information for Hope Haven of Cass County. It's a ministry that we as a church support, and it's a ministry to women and children in abusive situations. And if you find yourself in an abusive situation, I would plead with you to contact them and get help. And maybe you're the abuser. 
And I would just I would just encourage you to find the help that you need. Get to a, a qualified professional Christian counselor who will help you break that cycle of abuse. Most abusers were abused. And so get the help that you need in order to, to deal with those issues. But every marriage, we, we have difficulties and we have str- struggles and we have uh, fights and skirmishes. And I can help you with those. I can help you with the basic disagreements that every couple faces. In fact, the help comes from a Bible verse that's found in James 1, 19 through 20. It says, everyone should be quick to listen. So say that phrase with me and let's emphasize the word listen. Everyone should be quick to listen. Yes. We're going to do the next phrase. We're going to emphasize the word slow. And slow to speak. Next one, emphasize slow. And slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. God desires that you live a righteous life. God has established some rules for fighting. And the first rule is, is that when when the argument is escalating, we need to slow it down. We need to stop and listen carefully. Because too often we don't listen. We're we're quick to argue back. We're quick to make our point. We are determined to present our side of the argument. James 1.19 is very clear. Everyone should be quick to listen. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool, circle that word fool, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinion. Often when we fight, we're not trying to understand the other person. We just want to make our point and win. Scripture says we're foolish when we do that. You know, when you have a disagreement with your spouse, you need to be quick to listen to them so that you can hear what the real issue is. And one of the things that you can do that will help you to do that is to develop the skill of when your spouse is angry, you, you repeat back to your spouse the root issue as you understand it. And you don't just repeat back to them the words that they said. You, you, you've got to try and restate, rephrase the problem in your own words. Because that forces you to stop and listen and understand what's going on, and then communicate it back to them. It helps you to focus on the problem, not on the person. Because the goal is to fix the problem, not fix the blame. Okay? And too often, what we're actually fighting about is we're not fighting about the problem, we're fighting about how the problem has been presented to us. You know, the fight escalates because we get focused on the words that they've chosen or the tone of voice or the facial expressions or or the timing rather than resolving the root problem. And so when you start to argue, you want to stop and you want to cut through the verbiage and you want to say, what is the real problem? And then you restate and rephrase the problem back to your spouse to make sure that you understand it. That helps you focus on the problem, not on the person. Now, You do not have to agree with what they're saying. Okay? You don't have to agree with what they're saying, but you do have to understand it. And you can't fix the problem unless you understand what the problem is. Now, that leads us to the second thing that Scripture teaches us. It says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. You've got to guard your words faithfully. 
Jesus said, said this in Matthew 12, 36. Let's read this one out loud together. Jesus said, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Now, I want you to think back over your marriage and think back to the fights that you've had and let that verse sink in. One day, you are going to have to give an account for every word, careless, idle, unfounded, worthless word that you have ever spoken. Jesus says anger is not a license to lash out with careless words. He says don't do it. You know, a lot of times when we fight, we say things that we really don't mean. But Jesus says that, that's not acceptable. One day, you will give an account of every word. That's why Proverbs 21, 23, let's read this one together. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. That is a great verse. Now, it's not a great verse to quote to your spouse during the fight, okay? But it's a great verse for you to put into practice during a fight. You know, when you're in a fight and you're about to say something, you want to stop and ask yourself two questions. The first question is, should it be said? I mean, just because it's witty, just because it popped into your head, just because it's true, doesn't mean it needs to be said. Should it be said? And if the answer is no, don't say it. Because you will have to give an account of that word before Jesus Christ. Should it be said? Second question is, should it be said now? You know, some things need to be said, but not in the midst of a fight. There may be other issues that need to be brought up and addressed, but not in the middle of a fight. Stay focused on the issue at hand. Fight fair to resolve one issue at a time. And truthfully, it, it's best to work on your marriage uh, when you're getting along. You know, too often when we're getting along, we just, you know, just kind of coast. But don't coast. Don't wait until the heat of the battle to work on your marriage. No, work on it when you're getting along. And one tool that you can use when you're not fighting is this. And that is to say, ask your spouse, what are three things that I do that bless you? What are three things that I do that bless you? And some of you may think, you know, I can't think of three things the old bag does. No, you think of three things. You think of three things and you say them to her. Because that creates positive momentum. It, it helps us know the things that we do that are helpful. Uh, for instance, she says, uh, honey, one of the, the, the most romantic things you do for me is, is give the kids a bath and put them to bed. When you do that, it really excites me. And see, he hears that, and he thinks, rub-a-dub-dub, get the kids in the tub. You know, you want to know what you're doing that works, so you can keep doing that. So the second question that you ask each other is, is what is one thing that I could do that would bless you even more? So you get the positive momentum going with three things that are a blessing, and then you give permission to address one thing where you could improve. So three positive things get reinforced, one suggestion for improvement gets acted on, and you're incrementally moving toward a great marriage. Now, even if you do that, you're still going to have fights. So I want to give you some rules for the fight. 
And if you're dating, if you're engaged, if you're not married yet, you know, one of the things you want to do during that engagement period is set down some rules for engagement. Set down some rules for when you fight. Because you want to do that even before you get married. And so here are some basic rules that you want to establish. The first one is never call names. Never call names because long after the issue has been resolved, the wound of that name will still leave a scar. I mean, over 38 years of marriage, Katie and I have had several fights. And quite honestly, as we were preparing for this message, we can't even remember what the fights are about. But we remember the hurtful words that were said when we were fighting. I mean, the issue gets resolved and we move on. But if you call names, you're going to regret it. Because that they, they remain. Next, never raise your voice. You know, nothing good comes from raising your voice. And guys, I, this, this is hard for us. Because guys are just naturally louder than women. Okay, so guys, it's hard for us uh, to not raise our voice. But you know, the truth is, women struggle with this as well. I mean, guys get loud... Women get shrill, and, and neither one is attractive, and neither one is effective, okay? So just step back, count to ten, say a prayer, say 14 prayers, say the Pledge of Allegiance, say whatever you've got to say so that you can slow it down and talk. When you, when you have an argument, you want to intentionally work at talking slow and low. Because it keeps the fight from escalating. Next point, never get historical. That's not a typo. Don't get hysterical, but don't get historical. Don't go rummaging around in the past. Don't go back to 1992 and dig up the other time that they did the thing that you're fighting about. No, stay focused on the present. One issue at a time. And then never say never or always. Never or always are rarely true. And, and saying, saying never and always does not strengthen your case, it actually weakens it. Because when you say never or always, your spouse will come back at you with the one time that they did it right. Okay? And now you've come back with the one time, and now you're accused of exaggeration, and you're off chasing rabbits. So never say never and never say always. It, it's just ineffective. Next rule, never threaten divorce. Threatening divorce poisons your marriage. It gives the devil a foothold. You know, divorce needs to be abhorrent to you. You need to just take that one off the table. Divorce is not a club that you hold over each other's head. It's not a club you bring out and beat each other with every time you have a disagreement. I mean, you threaten it often enough, and you'll get one. So never threaten divorce. Just take that off the table. Finally, Never quote your pastor during a fight. Okay? During a fight, don't say, Pastor Kelly said, just leave me out of it, okay? You got into this mess yourself. You get out of it yourself. Leave me out of it. I'm home making up with Katie. So, the third thing you need to do, you need to handle your anger righteously. I and mean, when you get angry, you need to handle it righteously. You need to handle it rightly. Now, in marriage, there are some things that you just need to learn to let go. I mean, some things you just, you just need to learn to let them go. I mean, if you want a great marriage, you just have to say, you know what? There are some things that th this just is not worth fighting about. 
And we just have to cut each other some slack and just realize that, you know, you married a sinful human being. I mean, the, the sad truth is, is you're just married to a great, belching, burping, gassy beast with smelly feet. And the husbands are even worse. Okay? So that's an old one, but it always works. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to let go of. But sometimes you're going to get angry. And I love Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Being angry is not a sin. Do you know that? Being angry is not a sin. But your anger can lead you to do things that are a sin. So in your anger, do not sin. It says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now there's a principle here. If you will, it will be a life-changing principle if you'll learn this principle in your marriage. And that is, don't let issues go unresolved. You know, Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, I don't think that that means that if you're mad, that you need to stay up all night and keep fighting until you come to resolution. And I, I don't think that's the principle here. The truth is, sometimes you're fighting because you're tired. You just need to get some rest. You wake up in the morning and you're over it. Okay? But the principle here is that you need to resolve your issues quickly. You need to resolve, you need to stick with it until you resolve the issues. You don't just kick the can down the road. I, I mean, when unresolved issues will fester in your marriage and they give the devil a foothold. And that is far more damaging than the original issue. I mean, anytime you don't work it out, you don't stick to it till you get resolution, it just takes a little problem and makes it that much bigger. And some of you are going, oh, Pastor, you just don't know my husband. I mean, he's got the spiritual gift of being a jerk. You know, some of you, you guys are thinking, you know, you don't know why she is just nag, nag, nag all the time. Well, if that's where you're at, what's happened is that all started one day. One day when you let issues go unresolved. And those unresolved issues festered over time, and they compounded, and they became more complicated over time because you gave the devil a foothold. You cracked the door open, and he came in. Now, there have been times when Katie and I uh, have gone days uh, without resolution to an argument. You know, we didn't stay up without sleep for five days, but we stuck with it until we got it worked out. You know, a few years ago, we got stuck on an issue that, that we just could not resolve. And we spent days, honestly, I think it felt like we spent weeks uh, just mad at each other. I and mean, we were just rattling around in opposite ends of the house. And finally, we bumped into each other <laughs> in the door out to the garage. And Katie just said, uh, I cannot continue to live like this. You have got to get us some help. And we went to a professional marriage counselor, found a Christian counselor, and we went took three visits for us to get that issue resolved. Best move we ever made. Best move we ever made. And the key is you've got to do whatever it takes to get the issues resolved in your marriage. Because over time, unresolved issues let the devil destroy what God has joined together. Now, for those of you who aren't married, if those of you aren't married, let me give you a, a little hint. When you are dating, everyone is on their best behavior. 
Okay? When you're dating, everyone is on their best behavior. So whatever you are experiencing now, you need to understand it is only going to get worse. Okay? If you're fighting now, it's only going to get worse. I mean, think about that. And if you're in an engagement, a lot of times I'll see couples all the way through the engagement, they never have a fight. And then they get married, and on the honeymoon, they go snake. I mean, all those unresolved issues that had happened through the engagement, all of a sudden, on the honeymoon, it's like the wolverine is released. You know, you, you've got to understand that once you get married, just overnight, you will have the ability to fight, especially at night. You know, you get in bed and you assume the fighting position. It's back to back. She faces one wall, he faces the other wall. I mean, some of you know the position. And then usually there's a silent fighter and there's a huffer. Okay? And in our marriage, Katie is the silent one. I mean, she lays there on her side of the bed and she doesn't move. She doesn't even breathe. She doesn't want to give me the satisfaction of knowing she's alive. Okay. I mean, she is like a corpse. Only a corpse would be warmer. Okay? So she's the silent fighter. I'm the huffer. Okay? I get in bed, I lay there for a few minutes, and, <laughs> and I throw the covers around and thrash, and then I get up and go to the bathroom, because at my age, that's part of my aerobic training. And then I come back, and I thrash the covers around, and and I huff uh, again. And, and then during this battle, uh, you make sure that you do not touch any body parts. I mean, you don't let a foot drift over to the other side of the bed where you could accidentally touch a body part. Uh, because if you would accidentally touch a body, if, if you brush their toe, they're like, no, 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 you're not getting any toe. You are getting nothing. You want toe, you play with your own toe, because you're getting nothing. Okay? I mean, how many of you are the silent type? Anybody in here the silent type? See your hands. Okay. How many of you are the huffer? Anybody? See, it's about 50-50. And God puts the silent type and the huffer together because God has a sense of humor. But in your anger, do not sin. Do not sin. Instead, you seek God by praying together every day. Now, some of you started this last week, but you're already tempted to give up. You know, don't stop praying together. Don't stop. I mean, you may have missed a day last week. You may have missed a few days. Maybe you only prayed one day. Don't stop. Just start again this week and pray together. Because when you seek God together, guess what happens when you get in a fight? You know you're going to be praying together that day, and it just diffuses the fight. I mean, it's hard to fight with somebody that you're going to have to pray with. And so when that happens, when we fight, we don't react in the flesh and fight back. We respond with the Spirit, and we don't give the devil a foothold. Now, on your notes, there are four signs that you've been fighting unfair. There are four signs that, that you're giving the devil a foothold in your relationship. Let's look quickly at what they are. The first one is criticizing. You know, there's a difference between criticizing and complaining. Complaining is, hey, you told me you were going to do that, and then you didn't do it. 
And when you don't do what you tell me you're going to do, it's disappointing to me. See, that, that's complaining about a problem. Criticizing is when you say, you never do what you say you're going to do. See the difference? That's criticizing the person. Complaining attacks the problem. Criticizing attacks the person. And a constant critical spirit is a danger sign that you are giving the devil a foothold to tear down your marriage rather than letting God build it up. Uh, you, you've got to stop criticism because criticism moves into contempt. And the signs of contempt are disrespect, eye-rolling, and sarcasm. And if you find in your marriage that you just dis- have a total disrespect for your spouse, you're rolling your eyes at them, you're just holding them in contempt. I mean, when you criticize and tear someone down, it moves you to contempt. And contempt moves you to defensiveness. See, when we are tearing somebody else down, we have to build ourselves up. We get defensive because deep down we know that we should not be criticizing and condemning our spouse. That is not God's will. That is not God's plan for your marriage. God's will is that we would hold our spouse in honor, not contempt. But our guilt pushes us to defend our bad behavior. We fall into the trap of criticizing and contempt. We know it's the wrong thing to do. And then we get defensive rather than confessing and repenting and being released from that. And when you get defensive, it leads to the fourth one. If you want to know if you've let the devil get a, a foothold in your marriage, look for this. That's stonewalling. Stonewalling, where we dig our heels in and we defend our position. We wind up in a foxhole marriage. And some of you would rather be right than be happy. You would rather be right than be happy. And you dig in and you defend your position to the point that it kills your marriage and it wounds your kid and it robs you of your future. Because you're right and they're wrong. Now, if you see these things happening in your marriage, what do you do? Well, you seek Him. Seek Him. And and you may think there is no way we can make this marriage work. But Jesus Christ said that all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. We need to stop fighting each other. And instead, we need to fight our spiritual enemy who's trying to destroy our marriage. We need to fight for our marriage rather than fight with our spouse. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that that your word would be planted in our hearts. God, help us not to react in the flesh, but to respond through the Spirit. And and God, I just pray in the marriages represented here today that, that where there is bitterness, there would be reconciliation. That where there are wounds, that there would be healing. Where, where there has been sin, that there would be repentance, confession, and forgiveness. God, I pray for those that, that feel like they're on the edge and they just can't make it. I pray you'd give them hope that all things are possible with you. And so, God, today we commit to seek you and we commit to fight fair for our marriage and for your glory. God, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to to defeat the devil on the cross. 
And Christ shed His blood. He died. He rose again. Why? So we could be forgiven. So we could be transformed. So we could experience His grace. So we could have a great marriage. Maybe you're here today. And it's time for you to give up the fight. It's time for you to surrender to Him. To just say, well, we need to seek Him together. I can't do this anymore on my own. I I need the help of Christ. So today you would say, I I completely surrender my life to Christ. My, My life is no longer my own. I surrender it to Him. My marriage is is no longer my own. I surrender it to Christ. And if you're here with your spouse, I'd ask you just to reach out and take their hand and and just hold your hands up together. Not like a prize fighter declaring victory, but like two wounded and weary fighters who are surrendering. And just say, God, we just surrender. And from this day forward, we will fight fair. Would you just say that with me? From this day forward, we will fight fair. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.